From The Australian, here's what's on the front. I'm Kristen Amiot. It's Monday, October 9. Support for an Indigenous voice to Parliament has dropped just days out from the referendum. That's according to News Poll. The data shows just one third of voters now back the voice as critical support slips among the younger cohort. Israel is once again at war. The state's southern region was subjected to a terrifying assault by a Palestinian militant group from Gaza on Saturday, and experts say the fighting is likely to continue for a long time. In today's episode, we unpack how Hamas flew under the radar to devastate an old foe. On Saturday night, as celebrations of the Jewish holiday of Simha Torah wound down, the Islamic fundamentalist group Hamas launched a violent assault on Israel. They attacked by land, sea and sky, catching Israeli forces off guard. As many as 5,000 rockets were fired into Israeli territory as militants poured across the border from Gaza. Military bases were captured. Dozens of army officers were abducted and held hostage. Civilians too, women, children and the elderly, were taken into Gaza. Thousands of civilians on both sides were killed or injured in the assault, while others escaped terrified into schools and bomb shelters. By Sunday morning, Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu had declared that Israel was at war. Mr Netanyahu said what happened today has never been seen before in Israel and I will make sure it doesn't happen again. This war will take time. It will be difficult. Difficult days are ahead of us, but we will win. This is a shocking and barbaric and savage attack with some of the most appalling scenes we've witnessed in modern conflict. Greg Sheridan is The Australian's foreign editor. This is the most significant attack on Israel, I would say, in decades. This will reverberate throughout the Middle East, I would say, for decades. Israel has been shown to be vulnerable to savage, barbaric attack. And clearly, they have enough capability to pose an existential threat now to Israel. And I think Israel is going to have to take very, very fierce action to re-establish its security. I predict quite a long conflict, very bloody and terrible months ahead. The Hamas operation exploited shocking weaknesses in Israel's intelligence capabilities. White House officials also revealed they hadn't received information to suggest the deadly plot was in the works. So how did it all go so wrong? Israelis' intelligence services are famed as the best in the world, and that's because Israel has always been on a knife edge of survival. And in a sense, it's become a bit complacent in recent years because it's been so successful. They've always relied on a great deal of human intelligence and a great deal of signals intelligence. Now, Hamas is funded by Iran, and they have clearly watched the lessons of failed counterinsurgency in Iraq and Afghanistan, and they've taken themselves out of high-tech communications, so plainly they don't use mobile phones or the internet. 
anymore for the most sensitive operations. So Israel's tremendous capabilities at electronic intelligence weren't relevant. What is shocking about this is that this is a very, very large operation. So the fact that they could do such a big and coordinated operation without Israeli intelligence getting even a sniff of it, that's the intelligence failure. Prime Minister Netanyahu entered talks with his political opponents on Saturday night in hopes of unifying Israel's government against Hamas, at least temporarily. The current political climate in Israel means that's easier said than done. Israel suffers from defects in its constitutional system, which reflect the emergency in which the state was born. Israel doesn't have a constitution, only has one house of parliament. The main restraint on a government is the Supreme Court, but the Supreme Court has become too arrogant and too powerful. So there's a case for reforming the power of the Supreme Court, but on the other hand, Netanyahu was trying to strip too much power from the Supreme Court. Now, this has just been one of the lines of division within Israeli society, which has emerged in recent years. Israel has become very affluent, especially at the top end, but at the bottom end, it's still quite poor. And Israel really relied on heroic, magnificent social solidarity. All the men and a lot of the women served in the army. But Israel has been evolving away from that. Now it's a very high-tech society. At the same time, the ultra-Orthodox having a lot of kids, so they're a growing proportion of the economy. They don't like that liberalism, and also they don't serve in the army. I am very confident that Israel might not come together permanently, but they'll come together at this moment. And I do think that this conflict is an existential threat to Israel and every Israeli will respond with the full measure of devotion to their state. The global reaction to the conflict has also been swift. Here's US President Joe Biden. There's never justification for terrorist attacks. And my administration's support for Israel's security is rock solid and unwavering. Let me say this as clearly as I can. This is not a moment for any party hostile to Israel to exploit these attacks to seek advantage. The world is watching. On Sunday morning, Prime Minister Anthony Albanese spoke to the ABC's Insiders program about the situation. Well, this is an abhorrent attack on Israel. This is a dreadful circumstance that people didn't see coming, wasn't foreshadowed, a shock attack. It must stop. Israel has a right to defend itself, which is what it is doing. Meanwhile, Hamas groups called on other Palestinian groups to join their deadly campaign. Hezbollah, a Shiite Muslim political party based in Lebanon, threatened to weigh in, potentially bringing more than 100,000 precision missiles to the fight. Iran, too, said it would back the Palestinian fighters. And that means a much bigger conflict could be on the cards. Coming up, how Hamas caught Israel off guard and why this conflict is far from over.
I'm Sarah Lamarquin, Editor-in-Chief of Stella and host of our podcast called Something to Talk About. Every weekend we publish a new episode where you'll hear compelling personalities, strong opinions and thought-provoking conversations. I wanted to be able to do it in my time when I was ready and speak my truth when I was ready. The topic of when do I become a mum, that is in my mind 24-7. Search for Something to Talk About wherever you listen to your podcasts. The conflict between Israel and Palestine ratcheted up at the beginning of the last century, mostly due to wars fought elsewhere. Jewish people, who fled persecution by Nazis and other groups in Europe, looked further afield for land to establish a new homeland. They settled on a wedge of land between Egypt and Jordan. Today, we know it as Israel, and it's the world's only Jewish state. But at that time, the land was controlled by Arab Muslims, or Palestinians, who've resisted Israeli occupation ever since. Most Palestinians now live in areas known as the Gaza Strip and the West Bank, which were established following wars in 1948 and 1967. An increasingly right-leaning Israel occupies both territories, but Gaza has been controlled by the fundamentalist Islamist Hamas since its election in 2006. Various attempts to split the land and implement systems of shared governance have largely failed, And so a handful of deadly military operations have been launched by both sides over the past few decades. The ground offensive started once darkness fell on the eighth day of the war on Gaza. As Operation Protective Edge continues, dozens of Israeli troops and over a thousand Palestinians have been killed. Despite calls for a ceasefire, Hamas is still launching rockets at Israeli cities, but fewer than before. So you could say that the deadly assault on southern Israel by Hamas shouldn't have come as a surprise, but it did. Here's Greg Sheridan again. The military failure is that Israel has always known that this sort of thing is a possibility. Now, Hamas has a long record of murdering innocent civilians. It hasn't in the past really had much success against Israeli soldiers. One of the lessons of this is that non-state actors can get enormous firepower from Iran and elsewhere. So it's clear that Israel didn't have enough military forces in place to deal with this kind of swarming attack. Israel has been able to defeat all of its enemies hitherto, including massed Arab states, but for Israeli military bases to be overrun and numbers of soldiers to be killed and numbers to be taken hostage, that's a military failure on top of the intelligence failure. The dual blunders could spell the end of Benjamin Netanyahu's prime ministership. I think it's very hard for Netanyahu to survive this, but this terrible, shocking event, although it's not Israel's fault, it is an intelligence failure and also a military failure by Israel. And Netanyahu's great strength has always been national security and empowering the intelligence services and backing the military. Well, he'll ultimately have to take responsibility for this as prime minister. Benjamin Netanyahu said on Saturday that this conflict will be long and difficult. Greg agrees that Israel's retaliation will be fearsome and that many more lives are sure to be lost in the conflict. Israel, as always, will attempt to minimise civilian casualties, whereas Hamas intentionally kills civilians. Hamas loves death. Hamas embraces death, both the suicide fighter and the death of its enemies. 
There's no moral equivalence or functional equivalence between the two sides. But Israel will have to make a very fearsome response. Now, Israel might have to take much more radical actions to secure its borders, especially its northern borders. It's going to have to fight Hamas and at the same time safeguard its position in the West Bank and at the same time prevent Hezbollah from coming in from the north. And while Israel has been a really successful and wonderful society in recent years, it's obviously going to have to go back to being a much more militarily focused society. There's a nihilism and a savagery and a brutality about these attacks on Israel, which is kind of insane. And it's very difficult for a rational democracy to deal with insane attackers. But certainly Israel will want to re-establish a stable system of deterrence and denial. So we can't work out exactly how it's going to go on, but the imperative for the Israeli government to make sure that they win this conflict and that it can't happen again, I think means that we're going to see a lot of destruction and a lot of blood and a lot of terror. This is an existential threat to Israel. If Israel's response to this is not effective, then it will happen again and again and again, and Israel will ultimately be overwhelmed. It won't exist. It'll be the end of Israel. Craig Sheridan is The Australian's foreign editor. Subscribers can read our ongoing reporting and analysis of the conflict in Israel at theaustralian.com.au. A troubled young woman. Her evil parents. We never had any issues between us. Has justice been done? I'm in a prison. Join journalist Richard Gilliatt as he delves into one of Australia's most gripping cases. Shadow of Doubt, a new podcast investigation from The Australian. I cannot find one of these allegations that's possible. Listen now, wherever you get your podcasts.